an honor to be here for both Diane and me. And there is no other place we'd rather be today than uh, with you here at Madison Church. So understanding that you are in a series of messages from the book of Jude, I'll give to you a little bit of intro. Jude, brother to James, who wrote the book of James, and half-brother to Jesus, and Jude's claim to Jesus is not, he doesn't say half-brother, he says, I'm his servant. So very interesting. So Jude is the one who wrote this book. He was a missionary for 30 years before writing, and in doing so, brings to us a warning against false teachers. He called his readers to defend the faith and not give up, because sometimes ministry gets tough. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, Megan says yes, sometimes <laughs> ministry gets tough. Jude had run into false teachers. They had caused trouble by wanting their own way, for the false teacher is all about them. It's all about me. The universe revolves around me. And so Jude knew the church needed protection. Uh, Diane and I pastored the same church in the area of Milwaukee for 31 years. And I had this forever description that in the greater Milwaukee area, there are about 500 Assemblies of God people who are roaming from church to church, looking for one they can control. Mm-hmm. Looking for one they can control. And so they will come in and try to wiggle into positions of... Uh, influence to gain the opportunity to bring their agenda upon the church. And uh, discernment is necessary, it was necessary, and certainly as a pastor, uh, defense much needed on behalf of our church family. And sometimes I would know immediately, and sometimes it took a while. To find out. And that, Stephen, is one of the hard parts of being a pastor because it would be easy to get cynical about that. You know, who would be the persons who would want to endanger the local church? And uh, most people are not in that category, but there are some. And Jude, after 30 years of missionary service, decided under inspiration of the Spirit to write about that. Therefore, we're not going to call it cynicism. We're going to call it uh, practicality. <laughs> and we better figure this out. Or we're going to find ourselves hurting in our church family. So I ask you a question. I have actually two and maybe more later, but let's start with these. Do false teachers exist today? Jude said they did in his time. You agree they could exist today. And does the local church need to be protected? Okay. And so what I want to share with you today is a message about keeping the church safe. So let me go back and uh, try to give you an overview of something that Diane said to me is really rather complicated. And so I'm going to try 
and simplify this in a way that becomes understandable. Uh, the problem will not be you. If it's difficult, it will be me. But here we go. You ready? Okay. So back in the Garden of Eden, not that any of you were there, but back in the Garden of Eden, uh, we have the beginning of sin. And uh, the choice made by Eve and Adam, and Adam more responsible than Eve, God bless Eve, amen, for what came about in uh, their disobedience against God. And uh, this whole process of sin began to unfold. Still together? And God, in response, brought the answer of salvation, which ultimately leads to Jesus Christ. As we read through the book of Genesis, we find that eventually there is the beginning of a godly group of people, uh, beginning with Seth, Seth. And uh, certainly the struggle with Cain and Abel, uh, Cain killing his brother is evidence of the awfulness of sin and, and what can happen when people just want what they want and are self-centered and it's all about me. And so eventually this godly line starts to be raised up through Seth. And eventually through Seth and the godly line, we find Enoch. And the passage in Jude that we're going to examine today talks about Enoch and Enoch was so pro-God that the Bible says he walked with God. He knew relationship with God that was close and phenomenal and friendly and relational. And uh, they talked with each other. And this whole relationship was so strong that at some point the Bible says God took him. And he arrived in heaven, uh, the Bible's first miracle, if you want to count it up, okay? So this is the, the godly line. Many years later, there is uh, the emergence of uh, a man named Lamech. Lamech. And Lamech uh, behaved much like uh, Cain, who killed his brother. And after killing somebody... Uh, Lamech brags to his wives, multiple women, uh, that his sin is, is stronger than Cain's sin, and he is 77 times more angry than Cain was. Therefore, he's going to be protected, even though he's hated this much through his life. Sounds like not the person you want as your next door neighbor. Still with me? Okay, so Diane, how are we doing so far? She's, watch your wife. Stephen, we watch our wife, amen. Okay, so I'm watching my wife. So we've got this emergence of a, another line of people, and through Lamech's sons, we have the emergence of civilization. And they have animal husbandry, and they have music, and they have uh, ways in which uh, society, culture can be built and protect itself in the ways apart from God. Okay, so we've got the godly line, we've got the ungodly line, and that brings us to this passage of scripture from Jude in which he gives a warning about the false teachers. 
And he talks about a prophecy that Enoch made. Okay, this Enoch that walked with God and uh, from age 65 to 365 until God took him, uh, gave us this prophecy hundreds of years at the, uh, before the time in which Jude shared it and thousands more years uh, since you and I are gathering in this room. And Jude uh, says that Enoch's prophecy was a, a warning against the false teacher against the troublemaker, against the self-centered person who would work within the church. Now, sometimes we have enemies outside the church. They attack the church. They want to belittle Christians. They want to hinder the work of God. But there's a different kind of enemy that can try and work on the inside of the church. And Enoch prophesied about that kind of enemy. And then he talks about the teaching of the disciples, which I would attribute to the eleven in Matthias. And they too had a warning, and that is in the passage about the self-centered person who tries to wiggle their way into the church and bring harshness and hurt and destruction. And so now I've given you the background for where I'm going to go. You still with me? Still with me? Okay. That the church needs to be protected. The church needs to be kept safe. And quite honestly, in my new role and position, having learned what it was to stand with our church family and protect our people for 31 years, uh, Diane and I are in a new role uh, within our district and our our churches and our pastors. Um, my number one role, my number one role from the bottom of my heart, is to protect our pastors and their families and to protect our churches because they're battles being fought. And I believe that that is why God has moved Diane and me into a new position to protect and keep safe. And so um, I love your pastor and your wife. Diane and I love your pastor and your wife and deeply care about you folks. Deeply. And if there's no other communication that takes place today, that your pastor and Megan know that we stand with the two of you and your family. Okay, now I'm going to go exp expand that. That you know, as a local church, that I stand with you. That you know that that is our, our commitment, our call, our responsibility, that we stand in the gap on your behalf, that you and your lives in Jesus Christ are kept safe. So that's a long intro. I have violated probably every guideline of homiletics in what I've just said. And uh, you probably don't even know what homiletics is, so who cares? So let's keep going and talk about false teachers and their teachings being dangerous <laughs> within the church. So I'm going to read to you from Jude, which is only one chapter, verses 14 through 16. So Enoch, I already talked of Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them, see the Lord's coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of the, all the ungodly acts they've committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. 
So back to this issue of what Lamech and his descendants brought to us through civilization. There are some people who believe that the ways of mankind apart from God can be incorporated into the church, thinking that humanistic originating ideas can work among the people of God. And the church and civilization are two different things. Are you still with me? The church is not the world in a in cultural aspect apart from God. And uh, the world in cultural aspect apart from God is not the church. They are two different things. And so when we come into the church, and I'm talking about the body of believers, not an institution and certainly not a building, but when we come into the church, the church functions by a totally different measuring stick. And we need to know the difference. So in response, Jude shared Enoch's prophecy and talks about this development of civilization and cultural experience apart from God that gives mores and understanding as to how people think and how we bring about a temporary fulfillment to life and that we organize ourselves into ambitions and goals. But when God is not in any of them, they are so limited, which I assume is what has led you to search out a faith in God through Jesus Christ, that no matter how long you were apart from the Lord, you found that the culture about you did not fulfill your heart, that you wanted more, and only the more could be found through Jesus Christ. So Jude warned about this kind of lifestyle separate from God and uh, gives us the sinfulness of its origination and the hurt and the harm that it could bring. And it reminds us back to this man, Lamech, and the anger of his heart and soul that became so intensely strong that he would actually kill somebody and brag about it to his wives and say that his anger is 77 times greater than that of Cain who killed his brother. Therefore, because I'm such an angry person, nobody can get me on planet earth. I mean, such vehemence of uh, his identity in being a person that we would describe as ungodly. So, if a false teacher came in amongst us, could you identify them? If a false teacher, somebody tried to wiggle their way into this church family, could you identify them? And perhaps the beginning understandings would be that their worldview is all about them. It's all about them. It's not about God. It's not about his son, Jesus Christ. not about his death on the cross for the people that he brings forgiveness for. That their worldview centers around themselves. And the description that Jude has in response to Enoch's prophecy is these people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Now, I have to be quite honest with you. There are times I have done that. Still with me? There are times I have been that way. Grumbling, fault-finding, 
following my own desire, boasting about me, and flattering others to get advantage. And I'm probably the only one in the room that's ever done that. No one else here has ever behaved that way. Thank God, amen. But this passage calls me to repentance that I don't live that way because it puts me in the category of the false teacher who can incorporate himself into the body of Christ and bring hurt and harm. Certainly if I did that in my relationship with Diane, she would know that it's all about me, has nothing to do with her. My children would know it's all about me, has nothing to do with them them, that the world revolves around me and I am the center of it and everybody should bow down and if they don't I'm going to get angry and kick butt. Okay? And you wouldn't expect my family to be in very good health by behaving that way. And if persons infiltrate the church the church would not be healthy either. So the discernment, the discernment of a false teacher, somebody whose world resolves around civilization apart from God, is that they begin to, to fall into this category of, of criticism and fault-finding, and life is all about them. So let me go on to the next portion of this passage, the scoffers, the scoffers. Because we have the prophecy of Enoch who talked about these fault finders. And now we have the warning that comes from the disciples, which is really quite similar to what Enoch said. And I read it to you from Jude seventeen eighteen. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. So we've got the teaching of the leaven with Matthias. They said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. Quite honestly, I think what the 11 or the 12 are saying, these disciples is not any different, not any different, really, than the prophecy of Enoch, that there is danger to the church and the church needs to be protected. So scoffers are persons who operate in the church from within, having gained the opportunity to criticize on the inside of the family of God. And they do so in a clandestine manner. They act like Christians on the outside, but possibly they're not. Possibly they're not. I was having a conversation with Diane as we came in there. Is someone in our church in, in uh, Pop, uh, Poplar Creek in New Berlin that we quite honestly had wrestled with for 31 years? We were talking about this person on the way down and their family. And uh, I believe that God had put me, us, in a position to deal with them. And if there was ever a point that we would have left ministry... It was when their attack against us became the most vehement. And that was in 2003. I call it the dark night of my soul. Almost didn't come through it. Almost. We had made plans to leave the ministry. We were going to go work for Home Depot. Love Home Depot. Love, love Home Depot. Figured it was a good place to go. 
wrestling with these persons who were self-motivated. The world revolved around them. They had all the answers and everybody needed to bow down. And their tongue, very sharp, very sharp, knowing how to dig out the weakest place of our heart and soul to dig and hurt and harm. Has anybody ever tried to do that to you? To dig and hurt and harm. The scoffer who wants to gain control. These people live by the dictates of civilization, which is the world apart from God. They end up causing divisions within hearts and homes. Their first attempt was to divide us from our church board and then divide us from our church staff. And they try to divide us from each other, and that's probably the only time in 31 years that Diane got mad at somebody and was ready to kick butt. You remember. I, I was surprised at her. Should these persons be allowed to do their harm? with their scoffing. Their doctrine is false. Their morals reflect their beliefs. And in the passage contextually, and I won't go into it because it's a whole other part of something to dig out, but I'm just going to throw it your way. Uh, these persons who are scoffers all often have an immorality that goes to the flesh and sexuality and think that they can do anything sexually, whether it's in agreement with the Word of God or not. And they, they believe that they are the exception and they should not be stopped. Okay, that's enough and I'll keep going. They have opponents. And their opponents are not people outside the church. These people have opponents, and their opponents are within the church. And according to the disciples, they're devoid of the Spirit. They do not love God or his people. And the people who, hear me please, I, I want to be passionate about this. The people who have the Spirit of the Lord love God. The people who have the Spirit of the Lord love his people. The people who have the Spirit of the Lord love one another, are not hateful, hurtful, and causing division through their scoffing. Those that behave divisively and hurtfully, according to this definition, are devoid of the Spirit. They are not loving to the Lord. Their harshness is harmful, and quite honestly, they may not even be Christians. You still alive? Okay. So how do you discern if a person is a scoffer? A scoffer. To take alarm and watch out, they certainly should not be let loose. They need to be on a leash. And that leash needs to be tight. Amen. Hallelujah. You still alive? Okay. Now let's go on to the third point. Hopefully I'll get to some good news in all this. Okay. Jude 20 through 23. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. 
Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. A walk with God is something that happens every day. The end result is that we become close, and I'll use the word intimate. It's a picture of two friends who have common interests, who go through life together. That God's ways become our ways. Can I tell you something about God? When we get to know him, we become like him. Now let me ask you about the God you know. Is the God you know out and about to hate people? Or is the God you know out and about to love? Which one? There's some religions who espouse God by hate. I won't tell you which one. You probably know them already. But is that God? I think that's Satan. But to have an intimacy with God, to have a walk with him, is to gain in us an understanding of his love which pursues us. My favorite song is Reckless Love. Reckless Love, love that song. God's pursuing you. He's pursuing me, amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And he's loving in his pursuit and he will do anything and everything to track us down, not to hurt and harm, but to assemble our soul and put us together and make us well and raise us up in strength we never had before and give to us vitality that is life transforming. Praise be to his name. Amen. I'm getting passionate. I may even preach. Hallelujah. But walk with God, intimacy. We gain common interest. We go through life together. So let me talk to you a little bit about Enoch. At some point, a walk with God begins. Now, the Bible tells us that Enoch's experience of transformation that became so dynamic to turn his life about started when he was 65. Most of you, none of you are 65. How's that? Is that okay, Ray? None of you are 65. Amen? Ray and I would be the oldest two people in the room. Okay. Um, You're younger than that. His Closeness with God started it at 65. Life-transforming experience to, to begin this, this kind of uh, God can be trusted so much that his love is so penetrating, that his pursuit so powerful, that his unending desire so committed that we can enter into this intimacy with him and it's good it's good amen amen um can i tell you something that happened to us in february i am a type a person any other, when I say type A, do you know what I mean, type A? I mean, you're a self-starter, you just are, you know, ambitious, you you get up, you get out of bed in the morning, you're ready to run, yeah, well, look out world, here I come, hallelujah, hallelujah, I am type A, and from the point I knew the forgiveness of, of my sin, I have... I have felt every effort of my heart and soul is just to love God with expression and go for it, and... Uh, 
I serve the Lord. That's it. Done deal. And in February, God isolated me. Us. Me more than you. You more than me. Both of us together. It was agonizing. Actually, he isolated us. And for the first time in my life, discovered God pursues me more than I pursue him. Fair? But I, it's so theologically sound. It's just so biblically good. You think, it took you that long to figure it out? Well, it shouldn't have taken me that long to figure it out, but it took me that long to figure it out. And yes, we discovered that God pursues us more than he, than we pursue him. And it has undone me in my soul. It has just disassembled me in my inmost being. It has, it has brought me to a realization that he's, ch- he's chasing me. He's chasing John. And I need to let him find me. And that was my conclusion to that whole uh, experience in February. Am I willing to let him find me? Or am I just going to keep serving, serving, serving and be type A in my response to him and be aggressive in everything I do uh, about life with God, which is my nature? Um, But am I going to let him find me the way I am and do in me whatever he wanted? And Enoch had this this life-transforming, overwhelming experience with God where he learned to walk with God in obedience. His life became one of holiness. He listened to God's voice, which turned him from human temptation. He learned to fight inward sin and overcome it. He could stand against the devil and his devices and live an overcomer's life not by human strength, but by the power of God on the inside. And for the next 300 years, he did it, or God did it through him. And the relationship became so close that on one given day, God said, Enoch, you're out of there and you're here with me. And the first miracle of the Bible took place. Whoa, whoa, that's got to be a close relationship with God. It's the kind of miracle that transformed Elijah and took him to heaven in a whirlwind. Wow. Chariots of fire appeared, and in a whirlwind he was taken to heaven. It's a picture of how God will come for his church in the second coming at some point in the future. Hallelujah. Looking forward to what he will do. That a relationship with God becomes such... I pray that you are never tired of God. I want the end to be better than the beginning. I want with every day that closeness becomes closer. I want with every hour that love becomes more intense. So that I can stand before you this morning and declare to you that I love Jesus more now than I ever have. And his church motivates me more now than I've ever known before. And so for the two of us to be with you guys today, we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. 
and the privilege of being able to share God's love to our heart, to yours, becomes our absolute joy. I want you to know that. Absolute joy. That you are protected and you are kept safe. Jude 24, 25 says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Stephen, you may be preaching those two verses next week. Okay, so that's all the further I will go. It's the prelude to what your pastor is going to bring to you, and you already know it's good, and you won't have to traipse through all that heavy stuff of Enoch and uh, the disciples and the false teachers. Next week is going to be fun. Amen. Yes. So come back. But in the meantime, I have some conclusions for you. You ready? If you want to be God's person, and I trust you do, if you want to be his person, this passage says, to develop your faith. Develop your faith. Faith is antithesis to ungodliness. Okay? It is antithesis to the civilization of humankind apart from the Lord. It is the opposite, simple words, it is the opposite of the culture of humanity without Jesus. Faith. It is what goes on inside the church that the scoffer does not want to happen. The scoffer wants to perpetuate the civilization of mankind within the body of believers that we bring man's ways into God's church. That's what the scoffer does, the false teacher. Develop your faith, first point. Second, pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. I'll pray with the understanding and I'll pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit working through us to give to us Groanings which cannot be uttered. Intercessions which come from God. Guiding our prayers and our thoughts. Putting us into communion with the Lord. That there is a relationship with God that is so close that we know that it is Him. And that you do pray in the Spirit. As well as the understanding. That you know the fullness of the Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you allow God to give to you this Abba Father relationship. That your heart just wants Jesus more than anything. Because Jesus wants you so much. He died for you. Amen. Keep yourself in God's love. The false teacher doesn't understand that. The child of God does. The person who knows love, walks in love, speaks love, acts love, is the person who walks with God. Still with me? Still with me? Wait on Christ to return for his church. I believe that there is a crown of righteousness that to those who are looking forward to his return. Be merciful to others. Be merciful. Yes. Because I need mercy too. Amen. Be merciful. And reach others for Christ. And this is the pattern of how we may protect ourselves and protect our church family and be kept safe.